Dark Days of Dorothy Gale contains content not suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Darker Days of Dorothy Gale Chapter 22 Knitfis Year 198 Tipitarius stopped growing by the age of ten. He did not realize this until the age of fifteen. He regained almost all his memories by the age of seventeen, though there were still a few erroneous blank spots here and there. Even though he had a certain level of hate for Mombi, he also had a certain level of love for her as well. She was, after all, the woman who raised him, nourished him. The term nourished, used lightly as possible. She was the woman that once kept him alive. Regardless of what favors Mombi granted him by not letting him die, he still felt no remorse when he learned of her imprisonment in the Grey Fields. In fact, he doubted very much that anything could keep her in. The day he learned of her demise, he found himself smiling. In his travels, he heard tales of the legendary Dorothy Gale, whispered on the wings of ravens and owls, whistled through the howling winds of time and through the murmurs of those who claimed to have met her on her journey, or at least to have seen her and her band of witch-slayers traveling the countryside. Every telling of the story was grander than the last, and soon he found himself fantasizing about the day he would meet her. Dorothy would find herself suddenly outsmarted or outnumbered. Tipitarius would swoop in on the back of his tree horse, aided by his good friend Pumpkin Jack. They would fight side by side, slaying whatever monsters, beasts, or villains wished them harm. Dorothy would be so impressed by his valor that she would throw herself at him, and the two of them would live the perfect, happily ever after life together. Tipitarius noticed a change in the land since the death of the wizard. Not a physical change. The mountains remained, and the rivers still flowed. Instead, it was a change in the way people acted. A change in the creatures that now roamed the landscape. It was a change that was not for the better. An icy slush fell from the sky as Tipitarius rode in to Nitfis on the back of his tree horse, with Pumpkin Jack at his side. 
It was a rain unlike anything they had ever seen before. The drops were so large and so thick that they made loud plopping splats on the cobblestone streets. The city appeared to be vacant. Most of the front doors to the houses were boarded up and almost every window broken. The sun was setting and the temperature dropping by the second. His coat was in the large saddlebag that hung over the back of the tree horse. But even the heaviest coat would be useless in this bizarre weather. Let's find a place to stay for the night, said Tip without looking at Jack. Jack was busy looking around for any sign of life himself, but saw nothing. How about that one? asked Tip, as he pointed to her modest-sized home with no broken windows and no boards on the doors. Sure, said Jack. Looks like as good a place as any, I suppose. Looks like someone might actually live here, said Tip, as they approached the house. He climbed off the tree horse and looked up at it with a heavy heart. Uh, sorry, buddy, but you won't fit in there. The tree horse huffed with a deep sadness in its breath before laying down in the street. Tip and Jack knocked on the door in unison and waited patiently for an answer that never came. Tip slowly opened the door and peeked in. The house was in good condition. A fire burned in the fireplace, and there was not so much as a trace of dust on any given surface. The travelers stepped inside completely, shutting the door behind them. Hello? Tip called out, venturing further into the house. Is anybody here? We're not here to hurt you, called out Jack, who remained by the front door. The two of them looked at each other and silently agreed to explore the house. They both realized that a child, a talking pumpkin man, and a large walking tree would be enough to scare any resident in a spooky, vacant town into hiding. As Tip wandered around the house, he noticed a set of strange scratch marks on the floor of the living room. Starting at the center of the room, four thin, deep lines ran across it, before disappearing through a large doorway on the other end. He followed the markings into a dark corridor, and continued to follow them until they disappeared behind a closed door. His heart began to beat faster. He had seen some pretty grisly sights in his travels since the death of the wizard. Scenes of grotesque violence were becoming more common every day. No matter how hard he tried, he found he was rarely prepared for whatever he stumbled upon. He slowly opened the door and peeked into the room. The scratches led to an empty chair in the corner. He placed a hand on it before taking a seat. The view from where he was sitting was that of a large four-post bed. It was 
strangely beautiful, elegant even. A canopy of long, flowing red curtains draped around it and pooled on the floor. He stood back up and walked over to the bed. He pulled the curtains away, despite his expectation of the worst. Preparing for the worst. Nothing. It was a perfectly made bed. The sheets hung off the sides evenly, and two large pillows lay at the head of it. As he looked at the plush mattress, he felt something overcome him. The room darkened as he became blind. A strange warmth fell over him. It was an unrecognizable feeling. It was sadness. But there was something else to it. It felt like a swell in his heart. He could feel his cheeks burn with a hot blush as a soothing warmth caressed them. A gentle embrace from some unseen force wrapped around his entire body. A smile crept across his face, though he could not explain why. Tears fell from his eyes as his sight was returned to him like a loving gift. He suddenly felt both overwhelmingly happy and immensely sad at the same time. He felt loved. After concluding that no one was home, Tipitarius and Jack met back in the living room and sat by the fire. Do you think whoever lives here is coming back? asked Jack. There was a morose quality in his voice. Remorse and a genuine tone of worry. Not only for the residents of the house, but for the town as well. No. I get the feeling that Whoever once lived here is gone for good. Even if they came back tonight, they would probably stay away after seeing the tree horse out front. Tip and Jack woke up in the middle of the night to the sound of the tree horse hissing, accompanied by a loud buzzing noise. They ran to the door and swung it open, only to see the tree horse under attack by three strange creatures. They had the bodies of spiders or insects, with six spindly legs and two large hairless arms, complete with massive hands. They had heads of men and thin, papery wings, like those of mosquitoes. Tip reached down to his side for his sword, but found it missing. He looked down in disbelief before remembering where he left it, along with the rest of his weaponry. Every defensive item in his inventory was in the saddlebags on the tree horse. 
It was an increasingly common problem with Tip on his travels. He would pack away everything possible whenever he considered an area safe, or safe enough. This carefree style of travel meant, however, that being caught off guard was becoming increasingly problematic. He looked up at Pumpkin Jack, whose triangular eyes were incapable of showing much in the way of emotion, yet somehow still managed to say, I told you so. This was a problem Jack warned Tip of every time he saw him packing the bags before a night in some small town or village. Tip bit his lip out of frustration and guilt. The two of them quickly ran back into the house in search of something they could use as weapons. There were no knives to be found in the house. Not even forks or spoons, for that matter. In fact, the house appeared to be completely void of everything, except furniture. Tip continued to survey the kitchen in search of anything he could use for a weapon. With the help of his pumpkin-headed accomplice, he flipped the kitchen's heavy oak table onto its side. He broke off a leg and ran back to the front door. Upon opening it once again, he found the tree horse now being attacked by six of the strange creatures, each of them poking and prodding the large beast with their sharp, bony legs. The tree horse shrieked and hissed even louder as they chipped away at its woody exterior. One of the creatures stopped its voracious attack when it saw Tip standing at the door. Eyes locked, they both watched each other, worried what the other might do. Tip jumped back as the creature flew straight up into the air and disappeared into the night sky as the icy, slushy rain continued to fall. The drops were considerably lighter now, but certainly not something he wanted to be in, let alone do battle in. The creature came back down in front of Tip and grinned as it hissed, bearing a mouth full of crooked, razor-sharp teeth. Without hesitation, he swung the table leg, knocking the grin off the creature's face. As it fell back and stumbled around, dazed and confused, Tip took a second swing. This time, the impact of the table leg on the head of the creature was so great that it caused a loud crack, accompanied by a spray of oily red blood. The creature fell to the ground before rolling over on its back. Tip watched with morbid curiosity as its legs curled inward. The sound of the death blow echoed through the air, causing the remaining creatures to take notice. Tip looked around to see what Pumpkin Jack had been doing while he was risking his own life to save the tree horse. Jack was standing at the front door, casually leaning against the jam, watching with his large, uncontrollable pumpkin grin. You wouldn't need my help if you hadn't packed away all your stuff, he said calmly. Yeah, I know. You told me so. You were right. I was wrong. I get it. 
Now, can you help me? Please. Pumpkin Jack looked up at the tree horse. Three of the five remaining creatures continued to pick at it, while two of them lifted off and flew away. One to the right and one to the left, disappearing down the narrow, winding streets. Neither Jack nor Tip knew what to expect. They just knew the fight was far from over. Jack walked over to the dead creature and pulled one of its bony legs off at the joint. He handed it to Tip before pulling a second for himself. The two creatures returned, just as Tip and Jack armed themselves. With all the ease of an experienced javelin thrower, Jack quickly threw the leg. It cut through the air with a short whistle before impaling the creature about to grab Tip from behind. Tip let out a surprised shriek as he ducked, narrowly avoiding the spear himself. He stood up and looked behind him, surprised by just how close he was to being captured. The creature, now with a sharp leg stuck in its head, oafishly stumbled around before lifting itself a few feet into the air, only to fall back to the ground, dead in its tracks. He turned back to Pumpkin Jack and smiled out of gratitude before returning the favor. The man-child charged past Jack and ran his own weaponized leg through the chest of a creature poised to take Jack's head into its monstrous hands. The creature let out a loud howl of pain as it lifted Tip from the ground with one hand and pulled the leg out of its torso with the other, releasing a small gout of blood from its wound. As Tip looked into its eyes, he could feel its grip tightening around his neck. His vision blurred, and all sounds became muffled. Just as Tip had no choice but to give up, the creature dropped him to the ground as Jack rammed a second leg into its throat. The creature coughed and spurted blood from its mouth as Jack continued to thrust until the leg came out the other side. Tip gasped for air as he struggled to get back to his feet, slipping on the bloody, slushy street below him. <laughs> Thanks, he coughed. The two of them turned their attention back to the tree horse, still bucking wildly as it tried to shake the remaining creatures from its back. Tip looked at Jack, and Jack at Tip. Together, they looked at the tree horse. One by one, each of the creatures raised their noses into the air and sniffed. Tip and Jack watched and listened with curiosity, as the monsters began clicking their tongues and hissing at one another, before coming to some sort of agreement and flying off into the night. What do you think that was all about? asked Jack as he looked up at the night sky, noticing the slushy rain had nearly come to a complete stop. Tip ignored the question. He looked up at the tree horse and whistled loudly. 
the great wooden beast lowered itself, allowing its master better access to the massive saddlebags that hung over its back. He pulled out a long, narrow sword and a bow along with a quiver of arrows. There is no such thing as a katana in the land of Oz, but there is no better way to describe the weapon of choice for Tipitarius. It was roughly two feet long with a single edge that came to a fine point. The handle was crafted from the bone of a small animal. It was smooth and round, and though it felt great and was easy to hold, it offered no protection to his hand. The blade was a gift from an elderly woman he met early on in his travels. He stopped a group of bandits from brutalizing her and burning her farm to the ground. It was a situation in which he just so happened to be in the right place at the right time. The thirteen bandits outnumbered Tip and his crew, but the trusty tree horse made short work of them. The woman was so grateful to keep so little in the world that she gifted the child the sword that would in turn save his own life a countless number of times. The bow belonged to Pumpkin Jack. It was dark ebony, elegantly crafted, and the quiver held ten arrows to match. Each arrow was tipped with silver drill-point arrowheads, also a gift. But that is a story better saved for another time. Tip tossed the bow to Jack, and they each armed themselves once more. <laughs> think we scared him off, Tip said, pride filling his boyish voice. Think we're safe here? asked Jack. Tip looked around. Morning's light was returning to the land once more. I think we'll be safe for a early morning nap before heading off he replied. If it's so safe, why are we arming ourselves? Because you may have a pumpkin for a head, but when you're right, you're right. No more traveling or resting unarmed. Jack said nothing in return. It was a hard-fought battle in the early morning hours, and his companion had clearly learned his lesson. There was no reason for an I told you so. As they returned to the house, they heard a loud thumping sound, accompanied by a low yet heavy vibration in the ground. They looked at each other briefly, before concluding it was probably just thunder in the distance, remnants of the past storm. Nothing unusual. Nothing to worry about. As Tip reached for the doorknob, the sound repeated itself. This time it was so loud and the vibrations so strong the travelers were nearly knocked off their feet. Another thump. Another quake. They looked around as the thumping grew faster and the ground less stable. Tip whistled at the tree horse. It lowered itself once more, and together he and Jack silently agreed 
It was time to leave. Just as the two of them took their places on the back of their trusty wooden steed, which looked more like a lizard, mind you, they looked back to see a large hulking beast charging down the city's main street. It was fast approaching as the subtle light of the morning turned into stark daylight, illuminating its immense dog-like body and its three heads. The left and right heads were both those of enraged wolves. They snarled and foamed at the mouths as their massive tongues flopped wildly within. The center head was that of a giant raven. It was connected to the body by a long snake-like neck that raised it high above the wolves. Mother of Oz, said Tip as he watched the charging beast. What is that? Pumpkin Jack watched in stunned silence for a moment before answering. I think it's our sign to get out of this place. Tip agreed and pulled the reins of the tree horse, which raised itself up and began running. Even though the tree horse was a giant, cumbersome, lumbering beast, it was also incredibly fast. Unfortunately, in this case, it was not quite as fast as the Cerberus, currently in pursuit of it. Tip turned back to see the monster. With its long neck extended, its raven's head was able to peck at the back of its prey, chipping away at the tree horse's woody exterior, just as the monsters before it. Tip took a moment to contemplate the best course of action before handing the reins over to Jack. Turn it around, he yelled. Turn it around, Jack yelled back in disbelief. Are you insane? Just do it, replied Tip, as he carefully stood up. Stumbling on wobbling legs, he made his way to the head of the tree horse and held on tightly as Jack pulled the reins. The tree horse let out a loud, angry hiss as it quickly and sharply flung itself around, putting it face to face with the monster that just moments ago was nipping at its tail. As the raven's head lowered to snap at the tree horse, Tip unsheathed his sword and jumped inside. His feet pressed against the bottom of the raven's beak as he held his sword as high above his head as possible. It screeched loudly, deafening the man-child as it swung its head back and tried to close its mouth. Now! screamed Tip. The tree horse steadied itself to the best of its ability. Its massive feet pressed into the earth as it fearlessly braced for whatever was coming next. Jack dropped the reins and swung his bow around. Pulling an arrow from the quiver, he placed it to the sinewy string and pulled it back, taking hasty yet still measured aim. His wooden hand released the arrow. Tip flinched and cringed, allowing the raven to close its mouth a little more, as the arrow flew up 
and over the monster's head. You missed, cried Tip. Every muscle and joint in his body was aching and burning as he struggled to keep the bird's mouth open. You fucking missed! Jack said nothing as he pulled another arrow and tried again. This time, the arrow smoothly sailed through the air with a whistle as it zipped purposely between the narrowing gap between Tip's head and hands and into the mouth of the bird. He quickly fired a second and a third, followed by a fourth for good measure. As the raven's beak opened wide, it let out another screeching caw, allowing Tip to jump back to the safety of the tree horse with Jack. They watched as the long neck flailed about like a balloon losing its air, before falling to the ground. The wolves continued to snarl, their ears laid back and their heads hunched over, revealing a razor line of hair standing on the backs of their necks. Tip had no idea what to do now. He was certainly not about to leave his sword behind. He wanted to look back at Pumpkin Jack for some sort of support, but he did not dare break eye contact with the monster. The only thing he could think to do was charge this monstrosity with the tree horse in the hopes of trampling it. As he opened his mouth to give the charging command, the Cerberus's left head snapped down, grabbing the raven's long serpent-like neck and ripped it from its body. The right head howled in excruciating pain as blood gushed from the gaping wound between them. The head on the left chewed the neck like a puppy with a brand new toy. The howl of the one on the right turned into a soft whimper. It looked over to its sibling and tried to grab part of the neck for itself, but the gluttonous left head was not about to share. Snarling and growling, it thrust itself away, keeping the treat out of reach. The head on the right whimpered more as its eyes closed before falling limp itself. The left dropped the neck and looked at Tip. Its eyes pleaded for mercy as it panted heavily. Its flaccid tongue hung from its mouth dripping blood and foam, before finally collapsing along with the rest of its body in a lifeless heap. With the battle now over, and the beast dead, Tip and Jack were free to retrieve their weaponry before heading west. <laughs>